Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is part of E2C Network, where we share the whole Auburn experience. Hello, and welcome to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast that's getting a little frustrated with this whole league schedule nonsense. I'm your host, Auburn Elvis. Let's talk about some college equestrian. We had a ton of action this past weekend, so we're going to get right into some Some meat meat recaps. recaps. All right, so first up, we have Fresno State at Baylor. This happened on Thursday. I predicted somebody would have to win this. Both teams kind of did their best to not win, but Baylor ended up the winner in a tiebreaker. Baylor won fences 4-1. to one. They won the flat 3-2. to two. Fresno State won horsemanship 3 to nothing and reigning 3-2. to two. This produced a 9-9 to nine tie, and Baylor barely edged them out, uh, what was it, 16-13.5 to 16-09.5 in the tiebreaker. So Baylor picked up their first win of the season for Fresno State. They would get another chance the following day at Oklahoma State. So we'll jump right on over to that one on Friday. Uh, with this, I predicted the Cowgirls would win by a million. They ended up winning uh, 12-7. to Fences went 4-2 to for Oklahoma State. Flat was a 2-2 to tie. Horsemanship went 3-2 to for OSU. And Reigning also went 3-2 to for the Cowgirls. So this was a nice home win for Oklahoma State. They remain right below TCU in the Big 12 race uh, with this win. For Fresno State, they'll still have one more chance here in the fall. Uh, they're going to host uh, SMU in two weeks, so we'll see how that meet goes for them. Now, the next meet we'll talk about is Texas A&M at South Carolina. Now, I felt like South Carolina had a shot, but I still predicted A&M would win this by about three or four points. It ended up being a 10-8 uh, to eight decision. Uh, fences went 3-2 to two for A&M, and the flat went 3-1 to one for A&M, horsemanship went 3-2 to two for A&M, and reigning went 3-1 to one for South Carolina. This produced that 10-8 to eight final score. Uh, there were a lot of close points here. A&M actually had a zero on one ride. That What that means is if uh, one of the, the head-to-head points had flipped from A&M to South Carolina, then the Gamecocks would have probably won that tiebreaker because of that, that zero. So this was actually pretty close. Um, but it was a nice road win for the Aggies. They stayed atop the SEC standings along with Auburn, and they're actually going to host the Tigers this week. For South Carolina, they almost got a win, but like I said a couple of episodes back, they're pretty much guaranteed to make it to Ocala uh, with the teams that they've already beaten so far with their schedule. So everything they're doing these days is really just to get better. It's kind of, it's it's house money for them. So, um, 
Yeah, you know, uh, also I will say on the score sheet that South Carolina turned in, there were some blanks in it, so they get some deductions in the Golden Score Sheet competition, which we'll talk about down the road here. Uh, next, we have a whole bunch of meets up in South Dakota. First off, UC Davis uh, versus Minnesota Crookston. Now, I predicted the Aggies would win this by $2 million. It ended up being 19 to 1. UC Davis won everything. Uh, fences and flat were 5 to nothing sweeps. Horsemanship was a 5 nothing sweep. And reigning went 4 to 1 uh, to the Aggies as well. So, you know, hats off to Minnesota Crookston's uh, Rihanna Danielson because she defended the Golden Eagles honor by getting that one point there and preventing the total sweep. So, nice win for the Aggies. Um, this was a tough but expected loss for the Eagles here. Also, there were several blanks in the score sheet, so South Dakota State is going to lose some points here and there in the, the golden score sheet deductions, so we'll talk about that. Uh, next, we're going to do UC Davis at South Dakota State. I predicted UC Davis would win by about four points. It ended up being 14-4, to four, so even you know more one-sided than I predicted. Uh, Davis won fences 3-2. to two. They won flat 5 nothing. Horsemanship three to one and reigning three to one. So uh, there were some more blanks in the score sheet. Blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, no good good win for UC Davis. This was against an ECAC foe. That's what they needed. It was on the road, which is also impressive. So good job to them. Then the final meet up there uh, in the north was uh, Minnesota Crookston at South Dakota State. I predicted the Jackrabbits win the, win this by a million. It ended up being sixteen to two for South Dakota State. Here's how the events went. The Jackrabbits won fences five to nothing. They won the flat four to nothing. They won horsemanship three to one, and they won reigning four to one. Um, and again, there were some more blanks in the score sheet, so more deductions there. So yeah, okay. So a uh, good win for uh, South Dakota State. You know, uh, Minnesota Crookston hasn't gotten a win yet, so uh, it isn't the most prestigious win. But hey, it's better than losing. So good job, Jackrabbits. Now, we also had a bunch of single discipline action this weekend. To start off, we had another uh, of those hidden meets that wasn't on the NCAA schedule uh, between Lynchburg at Sweetbriar. Uh, neither team felt the need to put this on the calendar, so I was not able to give you a prediction. Here's how it actually went. Sweetbriar won fences 3-2, to two, and Lynchburg won flat 3-2, to two, so that's a 5-5 to five tie for all you Alabama fans that might be listening. Uh, and that means we go to a tiebreaker, and Sweetbriar wins the tiebreaker 733 to 681. So kind of close, but uh, nice big win for Sweetbriar. This kind of makes up for that tiebreaker road loss that they suffered uh, at Dartmouth a few weeks ago. This was uh, kind of a big loss for Lynchburg. They almost had the win, but, you know, they got a zero on the flat, and that kind of killed their chances in, this, in the tiebreaker. So there you go. Um, also, Sweetbriar, uh, you you had a blank in a score sheet where, oh, oh my goodness, yeah, uh, you had lots of blanks. So every time there's a zero, or should be a zero, you didn't put anything, so you left it blank. So you got 10 points worth of deductions on this, and what this meant was, I actually went back and looked, and I said, wait a minute, I think Sweetbriar has hosted another meet. Did they do the same thing on that other score sheet, and I just didn't see it? And sure enough, uh, they had like a week three uh, meet against Bridgewater, and they did the same darn thing, so they lost 10 points out of that one, too. So, yeah, Sweetbriar, you kind of fell down the uh, golden score sheet standings. We'll talk about that later. Okay, so another thing is, I thought we were going to get a jump and seat only meet between Auburn and Barry College, 
because the Vikings have on their uh, on their school schedule, not the NCA schedule, but on the school schedule, that they have a meet at Auburn this weekend. And, of course, the fact that it wasn't on the NCA calendar is no surprise, because as we've covered, there have been lots of them that haven't been on there. But it turns out there was no meet. Instead, Barry's IHSA team had a horse show at Auburn, and they listed the IHS show on their NCA meet schedule. And they shouldn't be doing that, but they're a new school, so we'll cut them some slack here. There is no College Equestrian podcast that deals with the IHSA, so yeah, we're not even going to talk about that. So, there was no meet. But you know who did have a jump and seat only meet? College of Charleston at South Carolina. Now, this one was on the schedule. I predicted that the Gamecocks would get at least 7 out of 8 or maybe 9 out of 10 of the points. And it ended up being a 6-2 to two meet for South Carolina. So the Cougars actually did a little bit better than, than uh, predicted. The Gamecocks won fences 3-1 to one, and they won flat 3-1. to one. So yeah, even in the loss, this was good to see College of Charleston, their first meet. Uh, they got some points and they looked pretty good. For South Carolina... Nice win. It's not going to technically count because for them because it was jump and seat only. Um, but I will say that on their score sheet, they did not list an MOP for fences. So that's a two-point deduction on the score sheet. Um, and we don't know for sure, but it was probably Jordan Allen who uh, had a, a really good score on fences. So I think she was the MOP, but it didn't list that there was an MOP. So, oh well. We also had Bridgewater at Sacred Heart this weekend. I predicted Sacred Heart would win that by about three points. Uh, Sacred Heart ended up winning seven to two, so a little bit more. Um, this was a weird one where it had four riders and fences and five riders on the flat. So second time we've seen that this year. So I have coined a new term called a Mewtwo meet um, after the Pokemon character because the bottom frame is larger than the top frame. And if you know anything about Pokemon, you got that reference. Um, nice win for Sacred Heart. They were ahead of Bridgewater in my rankings, so they should have won, and they did. So, yay rankings. Uh, for Bridgewater, um, they're going to get another chance the very next day at Dartmouth. So, let's talk about that. Now, I thought Dartmouth would win by about two. The final score ended up being uh, Dartmouth five, Bridgewater two. So, a little bit more than two. Three. That's a little bit more. Uh, fences was a two to two tie and flat went three to one for Dartmouth. So this was actually a good meet for both teams. Bridgewater did really well on the road, even though they lost. Um, but a good job for Dartmouth. They got that home win just like they wanted. Um, I will say their score sheet had, uh, some missing event totals stuff. So they pick up a deduction on that, but that was all of the weekend's action. And with that, I talked about a lot of imperfect score sheets that we had, a lot of deductions. So Let's take a detailed look at this week's current Golden Golden Scoresheet Awards. Awards. The Golden Scoresheet Award is a competition where each week I review all of the official score sheets, and sometimes I go back in the past and review ones that I've reviewed before but miss some things, and I award deductions and bonus points based on the number of errors that I find. Or I will award bonuses if you put the home team on the right, like you should be doing. Nobody has taken me up on that. Oh well. Uh, Every team begins the season with 100 points, and at the end of the season, the team or teams with the highest point totals will win an actual award from me commemorating their achievements in outstanding records keeping. So, here we go. In first place, with a perfect 100 points, are Barry College, Bridgewater, College of Charleston, Lynchburg, Minnesota Crookston, Sacred Heart, Swanee, 
SMU, and UC Davis. Now, keep in mind, some of these schools may end up not having any home meets. In the event of that, they will be removed from the standings once all that becomes official. So, now we go down to 10th place with a score of 99 points are Dartmouth, Fresno State, Georgia, Oklahoma State, and TCU. In 15th place with a score of 98 is Baylor. In 16th place with a score of 97 are Texas A&M and UT Martin. In 18th place with a score of 96 are Auburn and Delaware State. In 20th place with a score of 92 is South Dakota State. In 21st place with a score of 93 is South Carolina. And in 22nd place with a score of 80 is Sweetbriar. So, yeah, uh, again, yeah, Sweetbriar took a ton of deductions this week. They should have had some back in week three that I missed. I caught them. They're factored in. Uh, But, yeah, you can't leave that many blanks. You've got to put a zero in there. A blank is not the same as a zero. So that's why you've lost so many points here. Um, But, yeah, nine teams are still perfect. We'll see how this ends up. And with all of this week's action, let's jump on over to the official Auburn Elvis College Equestrian Rankings. Now, things kind of went as expected in the dual discipline world, so there are no changes. I know Baylor was probably hoping that with their first win, that would be enough to get them up into the rankings, but beating Fresno State at home just isn't as impressive as it used to be, The you know, at least not right now. Plus, UC Davis went on the road. They got a pair of wins. Granted, the competition probably wasn't any better than Fresno State, but even still, I am not going to put Baylor against UC Davis or UT Martin right now. Um, But we're only two weeks away from all that working itself out anyway because they'll play one another. So um, I have no issue leaving things as they are. And here is how they are. At number one is TCU. (laughs) The Horned Frogs have gotten through the toughest part of their schedule undefeated so they will probably stay here for the rest of the regular season. Number two is Auburn. The Tigers have looked great at home and decent on the road, but this week may damage their spotless record. Number three is SMU. The Mustangs barely beat A&M at home, so they sit at number three. Number four is Texas A&M. The Aggies are here because of that SMU loss, but they have a chance to move up depending on how they, Auburn, and SMU do against each other this weekend. Now, number five is Georgia. The Bulldogs can win at home, but they haven't looked great on the road so far. Number six is Oklahoma State. The Cowgirls are about the same as Georgia, except that they did lose at home to TCU. Number seven is South Carolina. (laughs) The Gamecocks are last in the SEC right now, but that's still better than half the teams out there. Number eight is Delaware State. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
The stats say the Hornets are for real, and in two weeks, we're going to find out if that is for real. Number nine is UC Davis. Hello, you. The Aggies picked up a pair of wins away from home against overmatched conference foes. Number 10 is UT Martin. The Skyhawks have ridden against the best in the nation for most of the fall, but from here on out, the schedule is going to get a little easier. And as for the other teams, like I said, Fresno State, Baylor, you've got some work to do. Now, the single discipline rankings are where all the excitement was this weekend. That Sweetbriar win over Lynchburg created a circular argument where the Vixens are better than the Hornets, who are better than the Green, who are better than the Vixens. So, to resolve this, I looked at the wins among each team, uh, among each other, and Lynchburg won at Dartmouth, whereas Sweetbriar won at home, and Dartmouth won at home. So, the number one team is Lynchburg. Winning on the road is the difference between a good team and a great team, and the Hornets are just a little better than everyone else right now. Number two is Sweetbriar. The Vixens took down Lynchburg at home, and that makes up for their loss last week at Dartmouth. Number three is Dartmouth. The Big Green are right behind Sweetbriar, mainly because when they hosted Lynchburg, they kind of got handled. Number four is Sacred Heart. The Pioneers picked up a win over Bridgewater and improved their stats enough to rise to number four right now. Number five is Barry College. The Vikings still have not ridden an NCAA meet this season, so that's kind of letting other teams move around them. Number six is Bridgewater. Bridgewater has performed about as expected, uh, but they'll really need to get some wins if they want to hopefully make it to Ocala in April. Number seven is College of Charleston. The Cougars had a meet, and while they lost, they still got a few points, and they did enough to move above the number eight team. And that number eight team is Sewanee. The Tigers have not ridden yet, and with so much turnover on the roster from last year, the stats now say that they're probably the number eight team in the nation. But don't worry, Swanee fans, this week your team is about to ride. So, let's take a look at our upcoming Meet 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 Previews. Previews. First, we're going to take a look at Swanee at Sweetbriar. I don't hold out much hope for the Tigers going on the road to Sweetbriar. I kind of think this one is either going to be 8 to nothing or 10 to nothing uh, in favor of Sweetbriar, depending on how many riders there are in the meet. Next, we have Dartmouth at Sweetbriar. Now, the schedule says Dartmouth will be uh, at Sweetbriar this week, but I think that's incorrect. They also have a home meet on Sunday, and it's very rare to travel and have a home meet in the same weekend. So I've got it listed here because it is on the official calendar. But again, I think this is another case where that NCA schedule is wrong. Next, we have a big one, Auburn at Texas A&M. So this is what all the Auburn fans have been listening to the podcast to get to. We're here now. Uh, let's look at how this one should go. In fences, 
I think Auburn wins either 3-2 to two or maybe 4-1, to one. so a good start there. On the flat, I think the teams are dead even, um, but with Auburn being on the road, they're not as ferocious as they are at home, so I think A&M will probably take the flat 3-2. to two. On we go to horsemanship. Auburn has the advantage and should win 3-2. to two. That leaves reigning. A&M is a little better there, so I think that goes 3-2 to two for the Aggies. Add all that up, and Auburn should squeak out a 10-10 to 10 tiebreaker or maybe an 11-9 to 9 win, but it should be very close. So this is a big-time meet here, and that's what you kind of expect. The next meet to look at, Baylor at TCU. Baylor has almost no chance of winning this. The Bears are going to have to load up on jumping seat points, and then they're going to have to steal some reigning points to win. And we've seen them have lots of trouble doing that sort of thing so far, so I think TCU wins this one probably 14-5. to Over we go on to Saturday, where we have Swanee at Lynchburg. After facing Sweetbriar, the Tigers are going to make the short road trip over to Lynchburg, but I don't think it's going to go any better. I think this is probably going to be another uh, sweep, either 8 to nothing or 10 to nothing, depending on the number of riders. Then we have Auburn at SMU. This will be another tough one for Auburn. I think Fences goes 2 to 2. I think Auburn wins the flat 3 to 2. I think Horsemanship is another 2 to 2 tie. And in reigning, I think that is also a 2-2 to tie. So again, I think Auburn looks better on paper and should get a win, and it'll be a close one, probably a score of 9-8. to So very close. Then we finish up the weekend with Sacred Heart at Dartmouth College. And I give this one a little bit of an edge to Dartmouth. These two teams are pretty close. I think the Green are probably going to win by two points. And again, we don't know if it's going to be four riders or five, but we'll just say Dartmouth gets a two-point win. All right, those are all of our meets to uh, preview. So when I close out, I usually have a soapbox issue. So let's have a little talk for a few minutes about getting the little details right, because it's not happening all the time here in the NCEA. Now, we all dream of a day when this sport is going to grow to those 50-member threshold and then it becomes a full-on championship-level NCAA sport. But I'm here to tell you that the slipshod attention to detail that this league exhibits is going to make that day a little further away. Um, I also, I bet every coaching staff out there preaches the, the work that they do on the little things, the details. And I'm sure they all talk about how important it is to make sure the small things are done right, even if they're not critical or specifically necessary. And I'm here to tell you that from what I see, a lot of that is just talk, because there are lots and lots of little details that are getting missed. So why is this important? Well, most of the riders on these teams are going to go pro in something other than sports. So wouldn't you think teaching them lessons like accurately filling out forms of data and records is important? Because I work in an industry that uses a lot of data and forms, and it is very important to fill in all the blanks and forms. Many of these ladies, future bosses, are not going to accept that leaving a box blank is okay because, you know, everybody can kind of tell what number should be there, that's not going to fly. Their bosses will not accept that. So why are you schools teaching your student-athletes that this kind of thing is okay? And I'm talking to Auburn, Baylor, Dartmouth, Delaware State, Fresno State, Georgia, Oklahoma State, South Carolina, South Dakota State, Sweetbriar, Texas A&M, and UT Martin. 
I bet all of you claim to work on the small details, but you are in fact teaching your student-athletes that it's okay to turn in incomplete work to their future bosses. Or let's talk about the NCEA schedule. Now, I've heard that each team is responsible for making sure their schedule on that uh, NCA website is uploaded and accurate. So that means that if a meet is not on there, both teams are to blame because that means neither one of them made sure that all their meets are listed correctly. So do you think that the schools would think that, you know, a future boss of some of these student-athletes is going to be okay if maybe these ladies just don't enter in a scheduled event into the company calendar someday, and then they'll rationalize it by saying, well, you know, all the important people who are going to go to this event, they already know about it, so it's okay if it's not on the official company schedule. No, I just don't think their bosses are going to accept that. So... Schools like Bridgewater, Sweetbriar, South Carolina, Georgia, Swanee, Lynchburg, Dartmouth, you're teaching your student-athletes that it's okay not to keep an accurate calendar for their bosses someday. Why would you do that? So, I've called out a bunch of teams here, deservedly so, but this doesn't have to be the end of it. All of these errors are fixable, but these teams are going to have to do a better job of attending to these small details. Now, I don't know how many coaches listen to this podcast, but I know a lot of writers do. So here's what I say to you. If I called out your team today, or even if I didn't call them out, you could still have an impact on making sure that these small details don't continue to get overlooked. For something like the NCA schedule, maybe take the initiative, go to a coach and say something like, hey, I've heard that there might be some meets missing from the NCA calendar. I have about 20 minutes. Could I sit down and maybe double-check all the meets on our calendar and just make sure that if there are any missing, then, you know, you could log in and we could make sure those get added. Or maybe you could go up to a coach and say, hey, I hear some of the score sheets have some blanks in them with, you know, missing zeros and things like that. I could spend some time at the end of a meet and just double-check everything that it makes sure that it's all filled out in the score sheet. And I bet many of your coaches would be absolutely floored if a rider came up and offered to help them with some of these little pesky details. So that's my soapbox issue this week. Let's all work a little harder to make sure that these little details get taken care of because it's going to be important to do those types of things later in life and it's important to make sure that they're done here now in this sport. Well, that's all for this episode. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. I thank you very much for listening and War Horses. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.